0: Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from one of the biggest CAD software CEOs in the industry on how new 3D design tools are improving hardware startup success.
1: You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast. Now, onto the show.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce John McElhaney to the show. John is the co-founder of Onshape, a leading cloud-based 3D CAD design software used by almost 2 million product designers worldwide. He was one of the early innovators at SolidWorks and ended up being CEO there for seven years before eventually founding Onshape. Today, John is going to share some valuable knowledge on what inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can look forward to in modern CAD design tools, and how to best use those tools to get new innovative products to market in an agile way, learning from customers and thus best ensuring product market fit. Now, on to the episode. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Kevin. Well, excited to have you on today to talk about the modern tools of software today, specifically around CAD design and designing new hardware products. I got the chance to meet some of your team members, actually, just a couple of weekends ago at the Make 48 recording. You've got a phenomenal team there that was just at the event, let alone everything I heard going on at Onshape back home.
2: Yeah, thank you. You know, as you know, being involved in in helping startups and yourself with your experience, it's really all about the people that you surround yourself when you're building the company, because you can't do everything yourself. So building your team, and that's wonderful to hear. And I know they had a wonderful time as well.
0: Amazing. Well, it's great to see you there and supporting the competition. It's on PBS and Amazon Prime and we're a huge fan of Make 48 and that whole movement. They actually had me on as a judge for this season five. So I'm very excited for (laughs) the show to come out in September and we'll see how it goes. Some of your team members will be in it too. I look forward to seeing it. Great. Give us a bit of a background. You've got an extensive and incredible history in the CAD design space. How did it all start and what was the journey along the way?
2: Well, you're very kind. Uh, Well, my background, I'm a mechanical engineer by training. It started at the University of Rochester. One summer I I had an internship at the Laboratory for Laser Energetics. This is a a trillion watt laser. To give you perspective, it's about three football fields long and it's funded by Department of Energy and it's really about nuclear fusion research. Vision is splitting atoms, fusions, trying to to use the creation of energy through fusing a deuterium tablet with high amounts of energy. Anyway, I'm not a high energy physicist, but that summer I did some design work from beam splitters to mounts to just standard targeting equipment and stuff like that for all the physicists and optics people. And the guy I worked for, I think, gave me a backhanded compliment. He said, you're kind of better at computers than you are design, aren't you? And this was sort of circa 1983, where we were still using drawing boards. And so he said, can you help me find a CAD system? So that summer I went and researched basically different CAD systems. At the time, PC-based CAD systems were just starting. And there was literally in our office, I think we had about 8,000 drawings that were rolled up and laid out and it was kind of a mess. And so that summer, basically I helped find a CAD system. I helped find a physical way to store the drawings, put this almost like 3 m Tape on the top of the C size, D size, and E size drawings. And then at the same time, there was a product called DBase, which was the first sort of PC based database software. And I wrote an application on top of that and came up with a numbering system to figure out the capacitor bay, the targeting area, and kind of got it organized. So I helped them find a CAD system, organize the drawings, and organize the process of how you design. And 40 years later, I'm helping people find a CAD system, organize a process and change and make it reduce the kind of heat loss due to friction along the way. My background from there, I worked as a design engineer at Raytheon, which is a large defense equipment manufacturer here in, in Boston area. And then I ended up going to Computer Vision, which is one of the early CAD pioneers and was at Computer Vision for many years and then ended up joining SolidWorks when we were just about to bring the product to market. We hadn't sold any software yet, no users of, into commercial users of SolidWorks. In my journey at SolidWorks, I had multiple roles, everything from sales and marketing to building out the whole partner sort of ecosystem, and then ultimately was the CEO for the last seven years. I took some time off after my father was ill, and I saw this thing called the cloud, and it was very fascinating to me early on. This idea that you could get access to, to computers and rent them on a, a short-time basis. And I went to the first meetup in Boston. This is when Werner Vogels, the CTO of Amazon, came. And there was probably 30 of us in the room. And I was you know, amazed at, at discussions and met a bunch of people. Now, if he was to give a conference in Boston, there'd be 20,000 people there. So it was just sort of very, very early days. And I realized that's where I wanted to plant my flag and learn about how the computing platforms could change how and what people were doing.
0: When was this? You know, around what time?
2: That, that was around 2007. And so ultimately, I found uh, a couple of people who were working on a very interesting idea and joined them as a CEO, and the company was called CloudSwitch. And ultimately, Verizon acquired the company to use it as sort of their platform to get people into their enterprise cloud. And then after getting the team settled, I ended up very good friends with John Hirshtick, who I'd met at Computer Vision. John was the founder of SOLIDWORKS, we had a long history together. And he and I are close personal friends. And we were talking about how the world had evolved in product design and that Some of the fundamental problems really need to be re-looked at and addressed. We realized that sort of the care and feeding of these systems was becoming disproportionately kind of more of the effort of engineers. So people were wasting a lot of time and energy and money doing things that, quite frankly, you know, with the advent of mobile devices and web browsers, it would allow us to rethink the whole problem. So John and I, along with some of the original SOLIDWORKS team, ended up starting Onshape in the beginning of, I guess it was November 1st, 2012, with the idea that basically we're going to take everything that we had learned in the past, but take all the current systems that were installed software and sort of swipe them off the table and start with a clean sheet and say, if you had smart people who were highly motivated, because we wanted to really put a dent in the universe, change how people work and could attract the venture capital to be able to fund what we were doing. That's why we started Onshape. And it's motivated by kind of a demographic shift as well. If you look around most companies, you know people with hair that like my color, which is skin tone or what's left up there, those types of people are not sort of cloud and digital native. But yet, the people in their 30s and certainly young engineers coming out of college, you know, this idea of installing software, this idea of kind of, you know, the way in which it currently works with, with how people manage information, kind of like a bank bank vault metaphor. Let me check this in and let me check this out. You know, their whole world has been about Google Docs. Let me shut down my laptop. I don't worry about saving. And I just, you know, really have the freedom to collaborate and share real time with people. And so we wanted to bring that uh, to the to the product design space because people like you and and, and many of the people that you work with um, in the early days of of, of of you know when you're when you're starting a, a new hardware startup or new building new products it's all about iteration it's all about trying to get an iteration of the new device or the new product out so you can get market feedback and you can do mid course corrections so everything we can do to sort of make it faster and easier for people to get that thing that object in the ultimate customer's hands and see how they use it, see what they like, what the aha moment is, and 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 all of the things that they don't like. They may not tell you, but you have to observe them. So the sooner you can get that in people's hands, the, the quicker you can go and iterate and and make sure that your product actually kind of hits the mark when you ultimately release it. So that's really our motivation for for creating Onshake.
0: That's so valuable. And that whole motivation behind it is really key. I can tell you from running a 30-person design firm targeted to hardware startups, it's all about time to market, efficiency, quality of specifications, testing, tweaking, refinement. That whole concept is essentially the software world of agile development brought into the hardware world. And I think that's what's changed a lot in design, especially the hardware startups, is the fact that we are looking at product development, not as in hitting the holy grail on the first run, tooling up, getting that production run and, and sitting on it for 10 years to collect in the money for the sales of it. It's saying, let's get a few units to market, test, tweak, and refine. So on for that sure. thread, especially with especially with what Onshape's doing in modern CAD software, I want to go back to that concept that you mentioned in terms of that iteration. How is the software today making that easier for design firms like ourselves, or for designers that are coming up with their own products, or just for the industry in general.
2: There's some very practical things that happen uh, when you're using a a cloud native sort of uh, platform and and, and mobile native. Um, But to do that, you kind of have to look at the current state of the the world. The current state of the world is that, you know, people are sending files around to everybody. And the problem is when you're sending files around to people, you know, and by the way, CAD files are inherently a little more complex than just simple a Word document or a simple PDF, because many of them have nested files, and they're just very fragile. And you have to worry about, does the person who's receiving this file that I'm sending them, are they using the same revision of the software? Are they using the same software as I'm doing? So it could be that I'm using the same brand of software, but it might, be, might not be the same revision, so they might not be able to open it up. So there's kind of all this overhead that, that, quite frankly, when I was in SOLIDWORKS and we did it, We didn't do this intentionally. It's just the only way we could build software, but it's an artifact kind of the platform. And when you have new platforms, it allows you to think differently. So one of the concrete examples is when a designer is working on something, rather than sending the file to somebody, what you're actually doing is much like in Google Docs, you're sharing a link. You don't have to worry whether or not the person has a CAD system. They've got the link, they click on it, and there's no software installed. You literally click on that link and you are actually... Whatever your permissions might be that the person has granted to you, you have access to that model. You might be able to make edits. You might be able to make comments. And if you, the owner who shared it with somebody, you can change those permissions as time goes on. So first, you're not worrying about whether they can open it or work with it. Two, you can control what they can do with it. They may not be able to make changes, or they may only be able to edit, comment, and markup, or they might have full access to it. And the beauty of these systems is that there is literally no save button in any of these systems because everything is saved as a transaction, which means you can literally go back to you know, T0, when you started the design. So the, the, the idea of feeling like I'm walking on this very fine edge and I don't want to break something, and you become very cautious, you become a slave to the system, this idea allows you to radically change things and check things and try things. And so you know, one of the other benefits, so that's one is sharing. Two is collaboration, how people can comment in real time. I can share a link with you and we both can work on the same model together and the system will hold together. You don't have to worry about who can overwrite each other person uh, and you can see those changes. The other thing is, you know, I'll just bring up my, my phone. So I have a regular iPhone. My wife, you know, she she likes a bigger phone. Well, if you were designing in classical systems today, you'd kind of take that design and you'd work on that small phone. And then if you wanted a bigger version, you'd copy all those files and somebody start another version of that and you'd go ahead and make it. And then all of a sudden you realize with the larger phone, oh, I like this enhancement, you make a modification. If you want to add that to the smaller version, you have to go back and redesign it into the smaller version to make the changes. Much inspired by the software world, the idea of being able to go and create branches and explore and go and try things. And it doesn't affect necessarily that main branch. So it allows people literally to start working in parallel. And if there are things that you like that they've done in the branch, you can merge them in. So it's a really powerful way of getting and breaking down this serial process. I sent you the file, you have the master, make the changes to it, then send it back to me and I'll make changes to it where it's this sort of ping pong back and forth. Now, people can literally work, and it's almost like a subway map. You can work in parallel, and you can take the things that you want and merge them together. So very, very powerful of taking serial processes and turning them into, into powerful parallel processes. And again, it's all about how do you take that time of design and manufacturing? Because remember, some of these things you want to send out to manufacture right away, you know, we you want a quick mold or you want a, a, a quick prototype you want to be able to do these things and and not worry about what happened with the design. So it's really about being fearless, being agile, making changes and and taking that time and compressing it so that you can do the most important thing which is for a startup. For hardware startups just like software startups and trust me, I've lived this. You want to figure out the product market fit. That is to say whether your product is a software product, a service or actually a physical device, a physical piece of hardware, um, what you want to make sure is that when it gets to your intended customer, as they use it, you want to be able to observe them. You want to see what is the aha moment. What is it that they love? What is it that they don't love? So that you can take that and iterate that back into future designs. And so to the extent you can iterate early on, the better chance you are of making sure that the product is the right product for the market when you actually release it for, for production
0: this is so powerful. There's a couple of big things that come to mind from somebody who runs a design for doing this. First of all, especially for people who are new to the hardware development world, they don't realize how extremely complex all of the different stakeholders pieces are to building a CAD file, doing the initial concepting, then design and engineering, prototyping, subsequent rounds of prototyping, pre-production, production. Then as you're saying, continuing to tweak as you get feedback along the way. There are numerous different stakeholders, numerous different designers, numerous, obviously, customers, clients, investors, et cetera, all weighing in on this. So if you can centralize it into one space, which has all of these features that you're mentioning, including tracking revision history and being able to tweak on different branches, it makes the job so much easier for all of the different stakeholders within the design field to quickly get to market, test, tweak, and refine, which brings me to the second point, which is so powerful from what you're saying, something that we're a big advocate for on the show, which is the feedback loop. And that's where we're talking about getting to market, small amount of users, getting that feedback loop, and then kicking it back into the system, bringing back in those stakeholders again to continue to tweak and refine, not just to solve problems, not just to fix issues, but also to find opportunities because the feedback is in both directions there, opportunities and problem solving. And if you can do both of those well, that's what creates not just a great product, but a big product brand behind it.
2: For sure. You know, one of the things I talk about uh, when I when I talk to to people who are in startups and um, and this applies to to people who are doing a service, people who are building software, but most importantly, people who are building things, physically building things, is this idea of 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 you know that iteration, but also the idea of of getting it into people's hands so you can observe because observation is such an empowering and powerful concept. So what I often describe is for those that may have young children in your audience. And those that, that don't, they may be able to, they may be, you know, able to reflect back when they were a child. There was a there's a children's book that, that's called Are, Are You My Mother? You know, it's about this little bird that falls out of a nest and it goes around in this farmhouse and it goes up to the chicken and says, Are you my mother? And it goes up to the cow and says, Are you my mother? And it keeps going around and sort of saying, Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Well, and finally a steam shovel, you know, brings it and puts it back in its nest. Beautiful little story, but Product market fit. I break it down into, and that's really the essence. Does your product solve a problem, delight a user in, in terms of, of that person in the market? Um, that is ultimately what you want to figure out in your product development phase. And so I call it, you know, the kind of the, the are you are you my mother sort of moment. It's really about shoe leather and observation, going around and meeting prospects, meeting people who are potential users of your product, and observing how they do it. So. The more you can do that early on, the more you can get those iterations. It's going to allow you because people don't. People are never going to say, "Oh, I want this." They're going to talk about the problem they're trying to solve or what this, what they're trying to, to, to what they need, not necessarily how to do it. And that's that's the role of an entrepreneur and innovator is to be able to translate kind of the observations of what they want uh, back into what the product can do. I mean, that is how we came up. You know, early on, if you go look at the patent. For the feature manager every cad system today has a feature manager okay and the left-hand side it sort of orders the feature. it's kind of the recipe generator that was started by by bob zafonte john herstic and um and steve krug and steve krug you know he spells cad with a k you know he's a product design really an observation person and they actually went to a, a person out of nichols aircraft that makes manifolds and they noticed the person kind of, uh, this may be interesting to your users, but I'll I'll share the story because every CAD system uses this. The first thing they noticed is the person, they they said, oh, use this, the system at the time was pro engineer and just model something and just tell us what you're doing. And they were watching this person model. And the first thing they noticed, they had this big Silicon graphics kind of, which was a a Unix workstation for those people that don't even know what that is. Um, And it had a big monitor and they kind of had a big space between kind of where he was sitting, where his monitor was. And the next thing they noticed is that he had a big stack of these things. And what the guy was doing was actually modeling, writing down the feature number, because in the early days, and he was laying out these 3M notes in kind of a hierarchical format. And when he needed to change something and change the structure, he would lift up the 3M notepad and, and change it around. And afterwards, John, Bob, and, and Steve Kruger were discussing it. And Steve said, well, it seems to me what the person wants to do is interact with the graphics, but also have some kind of hierarchy to understand how these things interrelate and that literally is what came up with the idea of what the feature manager was that now every cad system uses and and nobody would have ever told you i need a feature manager that does this and of course they had many enhancements they wanted afterwards once they understood what it could do but the original concept and innovation came through observation and and the quicker you, you can do that the better and in the startup world which is the world i i live in and love you know, when we built our mobile device, we never wrote an ounce of code. We had literally a camera, and we had taken some icons that we had printed out, and we had a person sit there and move the little pieces, a paper prototype to move the pieces around to show the actions they'd want to go and do. Our investment was minimal, but it allowed us to see and understand how they want to interact with it. And so in the hardware world where where you know all of your users are trying to get things done, the sooner they can get it, even if it's even if it's the ugliest prototype ever, but they can get it into people's hands to understand the functional part of it, that, that's valuable for customers.
0: So powerful. Getting units into users' hands. And especially if you can use the software to do this, not only can you do a better job of it because you have more stakeholders collaborating properly, not only do they have all these more advanced tools, but it's cheaper. It's simply cheaper to do this now than it was even a few years ago, and then exponentially cheaper than it was before that. And you guys were the guys, that's what's so amazing about having you on the show. You were the guys that, that came up with some of the early CAD software, and you created some of the most powerful software on earth. Over the last almost 10 years now, you've now created the next evolution of that in Onshape, which is so powerful, basically taking a lot of those tools, making it now enabled on the cloud, which we all love. We're all big fans of Google Docs and the simple reversion history and all those sorts of things that we've come to know. And yet it's built into CAD software, which is much more complex, but reco- requires many more stakeholders and a huge degree of complexity in design. So all of that leads to better products being developed out of the gate and faster, thus cheaper.
2: It, exactly. And, and you know, oftentimes people say, well, have you just taken kind of what you guys did before and kind of just moved it to the cloud? And the short answer is no. <laughs> we we actually rethought sort of the fundamentals. It's sort of Amazing. like we we understood the language of how people wanted to work is the idea of feature based modeling. Why? Because it works. You know, the the concept of features makes sense, and that's a lingua franca in the industry. It doesn't matter which CAD system you use. The idea of extruding and kind of how you make things these are all things that all engineers understand. But what we decided to do was to use that as sort of the, the language or the framework if you will but we rethought how you did it how you work with people the concept of, of multi-body parts and all the fundamentals we, we ultimately um, really rethought and redid and so yeah it, 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 it's, it's single goal is we call it agile uh, agile product design that's that's really what we built this from the beginning to do is to enable and you know here's the thing people people don't understand in the software world and it's probably true, I think, a little bit in the hardware world, too, which is when you have platform shifts, they enable new levels of innovation that were never possible before. And I'll take it in the software world, but I'm going to tie it back to the hardware world in a second. So in the, in the, in the software world, we used to have you know mainframes and mini computers, and then PCs came out, right? And that's when I started my career, actually, is in the PC world. And it allowed people to do things very differently. And then all of a sudden you had kind of high-end Unix workstations that allowed you to do really practical solid modeling. And then you had powerful PCs and windows with the Pentium chip coming out and that's when we created SolidWorks. And then the next platform shift is cloud, web, and mobile. And it allows you to do collaboration better. It allows you to share better permissions, how you manage data. And, and interestingly enough that the CAD system in the past used to be just the CAD system was a platform. They were individual productivity tools. And if people needed to work together, you kind of put this layer of what was called PDM software on top. And that was sort of the bank meta- metaphor of kind of checking something in, checking something out so people don't step on each other's toes. And like most good innovations, we kind of inverted that thinking. And we took that management control layer, if you will, and we built it at the core. We built a collaboration and sharing engine, much like Google Docs. And metaphorically, we wrapped the CAD system around it. So we inverted it. Now, why do I say there's a platform shift in the hardware world? find a piece of hardware today that's that that doesn't have some kind of connected device to it. I mean, sure there's of course physical devices that don't have hardware connected to it, but more and more people are embedding electronics into the hardware and they're building connected devices for all of the obvious reasons. So I would argue that connected devices, smart devices, even what might seem like mundane products in fact can benefit by being connected. And that's a new way of thinking about sort of hardware, if you will, because the world can expect it. You know, tell me a device that you're gonna install that you don't think that should be connected in your household. Like it's like, hello. You know, yes, there's a whole generation of people that will never connect any of their light switches or the music. And there's a whole other generation that will never have hardware switches without them being connected. Like, and that's, you know, and and, and the connectedness favors sort of the demographics moving forward.
0: Yep, absolutely. I've said it on the show before. I said, look around your room. In the next 20 to 30 years, every single object that you see in one way or another is going to have a computer chip in it. It could be very small and light, like telling you when your couch cushion needs to be replaced, or it could be much more extensive, like a Nest thermostat. But the reality is... Connected devices are becoming easier and cheaper to work with. Software is merging with hardware. Our physical presence is is migrating with the metaverse and digital world more and more frequently, as we're seeing now in mainstream media. So the reality is hardware and software have to join forces. You need one to have the other and vice versa as we migrate through this you know, next arguably kind of industrial revolution or the next product revolution. And that's going to be connected devices. It's already started. It's already all around us. Yeah, for sure. And it's happening at a rapid rate. And that's why software like Onshape really helps bring all of those pieces together. I had the uh, pleasure of meeting Greg Brown. I believe uh, he's Mm -hmm. uh, one of the heads of your product there at Onshape. One of the things that I was quite blown away with about the software when I was learning about it is the fact that you've got all these different plugins and modules that both you're creating internally, but also that users can create. They can use it internally with their team or they can share it with this global library. So you're almost creating like a quasi open source platform as well to have all these different unique innovative features that you crowdsource brought into the software and usable by everybody. That, That to me is phenomenal because that's the tip of the iceberg of what could potentially expand into thousands and thousands of options that you didn't even have to think up in the first place.
2: You know, one thing that's yeah. So thank you, and and you're hinting, or you're you're sort of talking about a fundamental concept called feature script. And feature script essentially is our our language at the core that we built Onshape with. You know, when we were building Onshape in the very beginning, we had built a prototype, and we we're sort of kind of growing off of that prototype. And a brilliant um, uh, engineer uh, who's part of our team came to us. I'd say about a month after we built the prototype and we were sort of starting to do some more things with it. And he came to us and he said, I have an idea. And he came in and sort of laid out his vision of what feature script could be. And that required us, you know, now it was two months into it, three months into it, kind of this prototype. And it, it required us basically to hit the pause button and rewrite the whole core. Because it's a day zero decision. This is not something you retrofit in. It's sort of It's sort of at the core you're going through and saying, okay, this language is how the system is going to be built. And so it turns out, in, inside of Onshape, all the features that we build are built using feature script, and we publish it; it's open. And so people can then take the code that we've written and modify it if they want, and it'll be guaranteed to work each revision because feature script is part of the core of how we built it. This is not this is not like macros or automated features that people have built, which creates sort of geometry in an automated fashion. This is at the core. You can write your own custom, essentially, programs and routines. Why did we do that? Well, we did that for a couple of reasons. In the end, people have a CAD system, but people tend, it's a general purpose platform, but in general, people tend to have very specific things they're doing. And if they're doing it over and over again, they, they might want to automate it. They want might want to sort of make things that make sense for their world, but may not make sense for the world at large, and stuff that we would never write ourselves. And so th- what we've done is built this extensible platform and we've extended it also to prepackaged applications, much like, you know, these, these guys have, t- have taught us kind of how people deal with apps, right? You know, this the whole app store view. So our view is that we're building this core platform. We're making it extensible so you can make your adjustments and, and modifications that you want for, you know, kind of personalization in terms of automation and, and modification, and then on top of that, we have other application partners that work in the, our ecosystem that people are going to take advantage of that are, you know, very specific. Whether it might be, um, you know, uh, analysis or manufacturing or a whole host of other kind of uh, applications. So we think this is sort of the the way in which, you know, the next generation and the whole industry is shifting. It's 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 one of these things, and it's my experience in, in the software world, but also in just the startup world in general. Very hard to prove that you're right. Until you're right, <laughs> and there's an element of trust me, and you can get some validation. But in the end, um, you know it gets proven with uh, with adoption, and you know we saw it right now. I'm working from my home office today with with COVID. You know, all of a sudden, the dedicated hardware that people had, the labs in education space, and certainly some large organizations, they had you know kind of desktop workstations that had specific graphics cards to run whatever CAD packages you are working in. People had to try and do remote logins because they couldn't go to the office because of COVID. And it was kind of a disaster. And certainly in the education space, it was a disaster. They could not get access to the CAD lab. The CAD lab had a lock on it and it was shut. So, you know, we went from, I think pre-pandemic around 75, 80,000 educational users to today we have about 1.7, 1.8 million users. So it was sort of like this. And, you know, it's obvious why this was beneficial. And by the way, the people are using now, they're not surprised that you can work in a web browser and it works on mobile because they expect that's the way it should work. So it's very interesting to look at the demographics and look at the perspectives. So we're, we're excited about what we can do because if, if in the end we can remove a lot of the friction about how people design and how they can build things, we know in the end that's going to create value for all of our users. And if it creates value for people. Um, will be rewarded over over, over the long-term in terms of kind of the adoption of the user base and growth. And I think that's a fundamental philosophy that we have, which is, you know, create value um, and and at the end, you'll be rewarded for for the value that you create.
0: John, much appreciated for all the insight in behind Onshape. How can people find out more about Onshape? Uh, just them the website, for those that are listening, of course, as always, I'll put all the links in the show notes, um, but give everyone a wrap up. And if you have any last minute kind of tips or tricks, uh, then we'll say goodbye.
2: Great. So go to onShape.com. There's access to to people who can get uh you can get access to OnShape. There's all kinds of tutorials, YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For people who are building hardware, I'll give you one startup advice. I'm gonna hold this up. It's my wallet. I'm not saying I'm gonna give you money, but I would say that oftentimes people go and beta test their their product and they give it to people and they 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 say, try this, try this to see their observation of how they're gonna use it. And that's a good thing to do. Also beta test the wallet. See if they're willing to spend money for your for your product. And if they spend money for your product, it's important for two reasons. You know, I'm not saying you, you can lose money in the first couple of them that you're, you may have people pay for, but you want to see, will they open their wallet? Will they create a PO? Will they go through and actually sort of purchase something? That's a, you know, $1 versus $0 versus free is a very different thing. So beta test the wallet as well, but make sure iterate and observe. That's the key thing in, in the, in the entrepreneur world. I love what you're doing. Keep going. It's uh and, and thanks for, for having us, uh, you know, Onshape wants to be part of this journey as well. And we're here. If your users have questions, they
0: can reach out through the links that you're going to provide. John, much appreciated. Thanks again for joining the show. Great. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the product startup podcast design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.